listening to this week's message from Freedom Church. For more info on Freedom, visit freedomdl.com. Thanks for listening. Hey, thanks for tuning in to the message from this past Sunday. I wanted to let you know about 20 minutes and we had a little bit of a technical issue when it comes to our audio. So you might hear some clipping. So I just want you to be prepared for that. Um, you should still be able to listen to the message fine, but I did want to prepare you for the fact that there is some clipping based on a technical issue. We are working to correct that over the course of this week and hope to bring you a top quality podcast for sure next week. So again, sorry about the audio problems. I hope it doesn't impact your ability to listen. God bless you so much. and We hope to see you soon at Freedom. Well, hey, I'm glad you're here this morning. Um, we're in the second week of a series that it's kind of kind of tough. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I always talk about how we're going to do a series next time that's light and airy. And so we try to do the, the good song, bad theology series. And it's supposed to be all fun and stuff. And I was like dropping bombs on y'all. And everybody was like, dude, this is supposed to be fun. Like you're ripping my whole life apart and putting it back together. And I'm like, but are you better? And they're like, yes, but still, you know. So um, it can get tough, you know. But here's here's the thing is that I don't want to preach something to you that just makes you feel better and you go off about your day and nothing changes. Yeah. Y'all, that's wasted time, okay? It's wasted time, it's wasted energy, it's wasted effort. I want you to get closer to Jesus, whatever that means, whatever that takes. I want you to have an experience with the Holy Spirit. I want you diving into relationships with each other. Why? Because all of those things makes you better. And I'm not just talking about make you a better person and like people like you more, but it gets you closer to you walking in the purpose that God has for you. I realize that you may not think that you're doing a ministry job, but if you're breathing air, you're in ministry. Everybody is. And it might be your sphere of influence. It might be something specific. God called me to this. And by the way, it's funny. People all the time around here, they call me preacher. You're the preacher down there. No, I'm the pastor down there because I do more than just yap at you. I want to help you become everything God created you to be. And so, so we employ teams here that help us do just that. Here in a couple weeks, we're going to start out with our meetup season again. We've got some great meetups. What are meetups? They're opportunities for you to build a relationship with people and allow the Holy Spirit to change you so that you can move the kingdom. That's what it's all about. That's what this church is about. I mean, sometimes we have to dig in and, and deal with some things that we've carried into the building that God says, listen, I, I, I can't get you to your purpose if you keep carrying this mess. That's when we're on a series called Church Hurt, okay? And listen, I want to be careful that we don't just limit what we're talking about here today to what happens in the church. Sometimes hurt happens outside the church. Sometimes it happens in the church. And, you know, we talked about this last week. Um, There are some actions that have happened to you that have created some brokenness in you, that have created some hurt. Some of them have been in the church. Some of them have been outside of the church. Here's the unfortunate truth. If it involves people, it involves the potential for hurt. And here's some extra bad truth. The closer you let people in, the more betrayal that you can experience. The bigger the betray, uh, uh, potential for betrayal. And listen, I don't like that it's like that, but it is. It is. But you know what? Even Jesus experienced hurt. Even Jesus experienced church hurt. We talked last week about how Peter was like the first pastor. And he jacked it up. For them. Church wasn't even the church yet, and he was already messed up. You know what I'm saying? But how did Jesus respond to the hurt? That's the key. We talked about how Jesus didn't focus on the hurt. He focused on the healing. It's easy to sit in this auditorium today or watch online today. It's easy to look at the little notes on version and, and, and just read the information. It's a whole different thing for you to come face to face with the fact that you need to forgive somebody. So you have to make a decision right now in this moment. Come on, I'm, I'm, I'm calling you into a decision in this moment. You are either going to choose to sit in the hurt or you're going to focus on the healing. It's your pick. 
And, and here's the fruit of that. If you want to leave here and continue on how you've been living and continue with the hurt and continue with the pain, guess what? The decision's already been made. You're going to wallow in your hurt. But God has a better plan for you than that. God has some healing planned for you. And while God didn't plan on the hurt, He definitely plans on a moment where you experience healing. I pray the Holy Spirit was able to show you some stuff this week some hurts that were hidden, some things that were undealt with. And, and here's why. It's because if you just bury it, you may think that it's gone away and it's done with. But listen, this is what happens when you bury something. As it decays, the ground gives way. The foundation begins to crumble. So you've got to properly deal with the thing. It's not just, it's not just out of sight, out of mind. And, and I can prove it to you. Wait till you go past that building or you hear that person's name again and all of a sudden it brings all that stuff to the surface. Out of sight is definitely not out of mind. So the hurt happened. We acknowledged that last week. So now what do we do? Here's some options. Let's go through some options. This is going to be fun. Uh, number one, disconnect completely. That's an option. Um, connect, but just minimally to ensure your safety. Here's another one. Rage and grasp at vengeance. Come on, where are my rage monkeys at? Come on, that's... You know what? If I yell loud enough, I can't hear the voices, Right? <laughs> Or here's one, forgive. Well, let's, let's think about this. But before we get away from that, that screen, look at these on the screen. Which one did your heart lunge for first? Now, you don't have to tell me. Might make a little note. I'm definitely a number three, or I'm definitely a number two. Okay, let's think about this. If I disconnect... I very well might dodge the negatives of being in a family or being in an organization, but I also miss the benefits of being in the family and in the organization. So there's a pro-con chart at that moment of the negatives outweighing the positives. If I connect but just do it minimally, I can at least say I did connect, but you can only live in skepticism and doubt so long before you go crazy. When you get to that point, guess what? It's so much easier to disconnect at that moment than to, to connect further. Because you have already convinced yourself that they are going to screw you over just like the other person did. If I rage and grasp for vengeance, I run the risk of destroying everything. Volcanoes, man. We've got a lot of people who are Mount Vesuvius just walking around waiting to blow up. People in Pompeii just trying to make some bread. But if, if I forgive, they get away with it. If you feel at least one of these deep down, blink twice. Okay. I don't know if y'all are blinking or y'all just think I'm handsome. Uh, so what do you do? What do you do? What would Jesus do? Hmm? Let's get all WWJD on you. Go back to 1992 or something. Okay, what would you say? Okay, let me ask you one more question. What does Jesus command? Okay. So if forgiveness is the answer, what does it mean to forgive? If I forgive, what happens to me and my hurt? What happens to them? If I forgive, does, what does that really mean? How can forgiveness actually help me? These are valid questions. They really are. We could go on forever about forgiveness. And I'm listen, if you've been in the church for more than 15 minutes, you've probably heard 100 messages on forgiveness. And, 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 and so I'm not going to just spend a bunch of time just on the basics of forgiveness. Because here's what I want you to understand. Forgiveness is literally uh, an advanced theology course in Christianity. It's advanced Christianity. It's not the easy, oh, Jesus loves you stuff. It's the hard stuff. 
because it means that you've got to come to terms with what happened and how you feel about what happened and what you're going to do with the information of what happened and how you feel about what happened. You have to identify in that moment what I'm going to do with this hurt, and that's advance. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to get out of 1301, and I want us to get into 4301, and I want to get deep into, I want to get deep into this, uh, this talk about forgiveness, okay? Here's the first thing I want to share with you today. Just two points. Got some subpoints in it, but here's the first one. Forgiveness doesn't mean it's okay, but it does mean you're okay. How can I be okay when the pastor manipulated me? How can I be okay when the group leader betrayed my confidence or when church members treated me like trash because I didn't fit their mold or I didn't have the right clothes on? One of the reasons I preach in jeans and a t-shirt is so that nobody comes in here and says, well, that church, you got to dress a certain way. Like, like okay, obviously, you know, we, wanna, we don't want to dress immodestly. Y'all, would, y'all wouldn't be okay with me up here with a tank top with my armpit hair hanging out. But you know something? If you walk into the church building with a tank top and your armpit hanging out, you're going to get loved just like the dude with the suit. Because, I mean, my goodness, some people are going to get to heaven and be real upset when they see the person that they, that they shunned and that they condemned and they judged standing right next to them. My goodness, I hope God builds the mansion right next to yours. You know what I'm saying? You better ask if you're going to get to the mansion first with that attitude. What about this? What about the family member that abused me? What do I do then? If forgiveness means letting go, I don't want to because I don't think what they did was okay. Remember, forgiveness doesn't condone actions, but it does free you of them. So how? How does it do that? Well, I'm going to give you two parts. I'm going to give you the real churchy part, and then I'm going to give you another part you might not have thought about before. Here's the first part. When we forgive, God can forgive us. Okay? This is the tell it like it is part of forgiveness. You probably heard this in church before. This is out of Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Now listen, God is not being mean here. You, if you read this from a, just a rough reading, you think, man, God's a jerk, dude. Like why, like, why wouldn't he just forgive me? Here's what God wants you to understand, okay? It's not that God's not going to forgive you if you don't forgive others because he's trying to pull some selfish motive outside of you that says, look, I want forgiveness, so I better forgive somebody else. Y'all see the selfishness of that? Boy, I really need forgiveness. Fine, I'll forgive the other person because if I don't, that's not what God's wanting to show you. Here's what God's wanting you to see. Listen to this. It's very, very important. God knows what happens when you forgive. He knows what happens. And so he's not trying to withhold forgiveness from you. He's trying to help you understand what forgiveness really does so that when you forgive, you will appreciate his forgiveness. He knows what forgiveness does. He he unloads and unburdens us of our sin and even goes a step further in how he treats us after we sin. Look at Psalm 103, uh, verse 10. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. Man, somebody ought to shout hallelujah right there. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that when you walked in this morning, that you, right before you raised your hands to worship, Jesus didn't say, hey, wait, 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 hold on, before you do that, I got to, what did you do? What were you thinking three weeks ago? What were you doing? I bled and died on a cross, and you're going to treat me like this? That's not how Jesus responds to us. Even if we are currently in sin right now, Here's what I think is insane, and I don't, I don't understand this, and I hope one day I can ask the Lord to really help me get an understanding of this. But Jesus would rather you come to him in your filth 
than, than wait for you to get all cleaned up. Number one, because you can't clean yourself up. The evidence that you can't clean yourself up is that you ain't clean right now. And if you could clean yourself up, you'd already be clean. But here's the thing. He beckons you come to him even in the midst of your filth because he knows whenever you experience his love that obedience is just a byproduct of that. And if he can wrap you up in his arms and let you feel the love that he has for you, what will happen is we will want to obey out of our love for him, not because we have to. Even with our level of sin and betrayal against God, he not only chooses to forgive us, but he treats us as if we never hurt him to begin with. Wow. What makes this hard, though, is when we sin, we ask for forgiveness. We, the perpetrators against God, we are genuinely sorry. Problem is, though, is we don't know if the other person that hurt us is genuinely sorry. So why forgive him? Well, the, the common church answer is so that you can be forgiven. The biblical answer is this. You ready for this? It's very, very deep theological. Because Jesus said so. God commands it. Listen, if you've said yes to Jesus and you've embraced Christianity, then forgiveness is mandatory. It's not optional. I was hurt in the past year. I was driving to go play golf with Tony one day, and, and, and I was thinking about it. I was stressed about it. I was upset about it. It was still very, very fresh. And, and as I was driving, Jenison Franklin was preaching. Because I was a moron and decided I'm going to listen to some uplifting <laughs> challenges instead of just relaxing. And Jenison said, hey, guess what? If you're a Christian, forgiveness isn't, man, isn't optional. It's mandatory. I burst into tears. And I began to confess how much I forgive the people that hurt me. It's not because I wanted God to forgive me. It's because I needed to be unburdened from the pain. And you know what? All the pain didn't go away in that moment. But that pain that I felt in that moment did go away. When we forgive, he can heal the brokenness. That's the second part of this. It's the second part of, of how does it really free you? And now listen, I sat here as I wrote this this week, and I, 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 the first part of this was easy. Well, you we forgive so God can forgive us. That's what the Bible says. But I just said to the Lord, how? How can it heal brokenness? Like, come on, man. Like, and, and, and like, you still, I don't know if you talk to Jesus like this sometimes, but I've got to be careful sometimes because I'm like, I know what the word says, but like, how does it work? Like, what are the nuts and bolts of it? I, I don't want a churchy phrase like, we'll just pray hedge protection around. It says we're going to the store. No, like, how does that work? And the moment I said that, I heard 1 Peter 5, 7. Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And I read it and I thought, wow, I would, I would not have put that there. I would not have put that two together. So what is this all about? And then I heard the Lord say, go look at it in Greek. Okay? Well, if you go look at it in Greek, the word anxieties here is this word called marimna. And it's from this word marizo. That's the root word. And here's what it means. Division, separation, worry. That which fractures and divides a person's being into parts. Let me ask you a question. Did the hurt that somebody perpetrated against you fracture you and divide your being? Did it shatter you? Did you look at yourself and thought, I'm beyond repair at this moment? 
So if I really want to know how God heals me and how he restores me and how he can really take use forgiveness to do this, I have to see that in the context of hurt and pain, God frees us whenever we forgive others, which allows us to give that thing to Jesus. And when we give it to him, that fracturing and that dividing that we've experienced in our heart and our soul from the pain, God begins to restore it. And I love the fact that God is not there with a little bottle of super glue, okay, and, and doing all that like you see on TikTok sometimes. They take the ramen noodles and make the thing like, no, that's not what God does to you. He doesn't try to look for all your little broken pieces and go, well, you know what? I can't find one of the pieces, so I guess there's just going to be a hole in the clay pot there. No, you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. You're not walking around cracked and like people talking about, oh, look at my scars. No. You can talk about your experiences, but when God looks at your clay pot, you're a brand new creation. And you better start looking at yourself like the new creation you are. I tell you what, when God restored me, i got to be honest with you, I, I did some things after my restoration that caused some cracks to form again. But it's like every time I came to him and I asked for forgiveness, he didn't fix the crack, he restored me to newness. That's what he did. And do you know something that came along with that? Just like I talked about the love and obedience there for a second, like a lot of times what we'll do is we'll try to obey God to prove how much we love him or to earn his love, but that's not how it works. You've got to love him first and experience that, and obedience is a byproduct. So whenever God restored me and made me brand new and refreshed me and I was forgiven and I was doing all that kind of stuff, I didn't want to do stuff that would crack my pot again. You understand what I'm saying? This is what his love for us does. And it's why you need to freely give that hurt and pain that you're experiencing right now. And listen to me. Somebody in here right now, you said, I've already forgiven them. Here's what you hadn't done. You have not forgiven yourself. When are you going to put the whip down and stop beating you until you get your forgiveness? Forgive yourself. You've got to do it. When we forgive, God takes what was meant for evil and turns it for good. But when we don't forgive, there are a variety of things that happens almost all of them internally, that are drastically detrimental not only to your healing, but to you actually being okay, not just saying you're okay. Okay? So, let me give you a couple of them, all right? First, when you don't forgive, it renders you almost incapable of trusting in the future based on your hurts from the past. Okay? You're almost incapable of it. Unforgiveness is a tether that links your soul to those hurtful actions and people and it not only keeps you from moving forward, it keeps you from embracing relationships that could help heal that hurt. If I were to give you an illustration today, what I would do is I would have somebody stood here and I would put a bunch of ropes on them and these are all the hurts that you've had and, and I would tether you to that pain. And here's the problem is that even if somebody said, come on with us, we're going to go do this and you start a new relationship with somebody, you can't because you're tethered to the pain back here. So you have to have your relationship with them in your little circle. They've got to adjust everything to you and stay in that hurt and that pain rather than moving on with them. Cut the tether. Yeah. Yeah. That's what your mind would say, right? Well, if, if you can't move forward, cut that which, yeah, cut it. It's easy to say, isn't it? It's super hard to do. You know what else? The, 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 the familiarity of the environment exacerbates that issue as well. Okay, if you were hurt in a church, it's going to be hard for you to trust the new church. If you're hurt in a relationship, it'll be hard for you to trust in a new relationship of the same type. And so many people in this situation, they're never able to embrace quality new relationships because they're still tethered to the actions perpetrated upon them from malicious relationships. 
So here's what I'll invite you to do. If you're at Freedom Church, you believe God's called you here, and you want to you jump in with this family, here's what I invite you to do. Stop thinking that you're going to experience the same hurt here as you did there. Now listen, I hear you. I, I, I know that's easy to say again. Here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to have a little faith in us because we're having a little faith in you too. That's what I'm asking you to do. We see this, like, obviously in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31 and 32. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Leave this on the screen for just a few minutes. Um, because here's what I want you to I want you to be able to see it. When we refuse to engage in, uh, to engage in verse 32 then we reap the fruit of verse 31. So if we're not willing to be kind and tenderhearted and forgiving, as God in Christ forgave us, then we're going to get bitter. And we're going to have wrath in our hearts, anger in our actions. We're going to have this clamor, slander. We're going to have malice. That's the fruit of what we're going to experience. That's God's plan. I mean, that's Satan's plan for you. Satan's plan is to keep you in that cycle. I get self-preservation and all that stuff. I really do. But we have to be sure that we're engaging and allowing the Holy Spirit to help us in that. Have you ever tried to enter a new relationship with bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander? Hey, how'd that work out for you? If you feel these about your last experience, then what makes you think that you won't think about them in your new experience? And worse, that you won't act upon them and even worse, that you'll put all of that on God too. There's an old saying within the church community, how you leave one church is how you enter the next one. It's one of the reasons why a lot of times, you know, pastors will tell you, well, excuse me, pastors who know what they're doing ought to tell you, before you join us, be sure that you've had the conversation with your previous pastor. We want you to leave, we want you to leave in the right way. God's called you somewhere else, awesome. But if you're leaving because you've got a problem with your previous church, deal with your stuff. Because if you don't, you will bring it here for me to deal with. Okay? Like, I love you, but, like, we got enough issues. Like, don't be bringing me, <laughs> don't be bringing me other church's stuff, too. Well, that pastor said that my saying was ugly. Your singing might be ugly, but I'm not going to tell you that. You know what I'm saying? I'll be like, well, bless your heart. That's what we say in Texas, isn't it? Bless your little heart. And then what I'll do is, bless your little heart, Tony, Edgar. Uh, <laughs> see, I'm delegating. No, you passing the buck. No, I'm delegating. But listen, if you, if you left with a hurt, you're going to enter with a hurt. That's church. That's relationships. If you leave with a hurt, you're going to enter with a hurt. But listen, if you leave with forgiveness, you'll enter with healing. When you do forgive, you make a conscious decision to stop allowing the hurts of the past to restrain you from the blessing God has for you with new godly relationships both in this moment and going forward. Okay, this is for every hurt. And it doesn't matter how bad the hurt. It doesn't matter how bad the action. The hurt can end and it can lose its power in forgiveness. So I mentioned a minute ago that I get the self-preservation stuff. I get it. I get being cautious. I get making sure that you aren't hurt again. But, but when you refuse to engage in new relationships because you're afraid of history repeating itself, you might stop others from hurting you. But what you do is you take on that role for yourself. 
you inflict pain upon yourself by refusing to let yourself go too deep in those new relationships. You know what it's like? It's like going to a restaurant, having a really trashy meal that makes you sick, and then saying, I'm never eating again. It's what it's like. You, you, you can't, you can't, oh, how to say this nicely. You can't expect that, that for the rest of your life, in whatever organization, church, or family that you're going to be in, you cannot expect that someone will not hurt you ever again. That is a fool's errand. They are human beings that are flawed. At some point, somebody's going to say something or do something that's going to make you hurt. How you respond to that is everything. Okay, It doesn't matter the action that happens to you. How you respond to that action is everything. And I would even be willing to say that it's your response to that action that creates the majority of hurt in people. Now, I'm not denigrating, I'm not, I'm not uh, um, lessening the intensity of the hurt that was perpetrated against you. But we have to understand what's really going on here. I'm also not ignorant to the fact that some of you have had things happen to you that we might consider unforgivable, be that in church or out of it. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to catch a little tiny phrase in the verse I just read in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. If you've ever said, I can't forgive that person for what they did, I want you to listen to me. There are two words that can make a difference in your life, in Christ. Sometimes we can forgive out of our own relationship that we have with Jesus. And a lot of times those, those issues are, they're not like life-changing, brutal issues. They're, they're minor offenses, and we can forgive. You might even be so close to Jesus that you can forgive somebody when it's a, a bit bigger of an offense, a betrayal or something. But sometimes, some of us have experiences where it's impossible for us to forgive out of our own heart. But if you don't have it in you to forgive out of your own heart, do what the Father did in this verse and forgive out of Christ's heart. We all the time say the Lord bless you, the Lord rebuke you, the, the Lord forgive you. What if we say, Jesus, I don't have it in me to forgive. I don't. I don't know what to do about this. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to say it out of your heart until I can say it out of my heart. God the Father didn't forgive us through Christ because He was incapable of having the compassion for us to forgive us. He was able to because Jesus died on a cross, you see, and He bore the entirety of sin upon Himself, and He created a way for us to be restored to our Father in heaven. So forgiveness came because of the work Jesus did on the cross. So God, through Jesus' work in His heart, forgave us. You do the same thing. I can't forgive what they said. I don't know that I'll ever not hear their voice talking when I hear those words. Okay? So here's what you do. At the end, we're going to say, we're going to say, Lord, I forgive, and we say the name. Maybe you just need to add, Lord, out of your heart, Jesus, because I don't have it in me. But out of the love that you have for them, that I don't, I forgive them. You spend the money, but let his heart be the capital. Let his heart be the, uh, 
the collateral. I can't forgive him, God. It's all right. I got you. Boy, if we ever needed a cosigner. Man alive, that is a beautiful thought. That where you don't have the grace, and you don't have the mercy, and you don't have the compassion, and you don't have the love, rather than Jesus busting on you, he simply comes up, holds you, and says, I got it covered. Again, we're talking about a couple of things that happen when we don't forgive. Here's the second thing is that unforgiveness can turn an action into an identity. Unforgiveness does more than keep you in the hurt. Undealt with pain and unforgiveness can too easily become your identity. It can become who you are. It keeps you in this cycle that drives you to skepticism and it keeps you from trusting and eventually you will find that your hurt is no longer something that happened to you, but it's something that you've become. So you stop saying, I was hurt, and you start saying, I am hurt. You stop saying, I was abused, and you start saying, I'm abused. It becomes your identifier. And listen to me, your identity does not come from what happened to you. Your identity comes from the Lord. And now listen, that's inside a hurt or outside a hurt. Your identity doesn't come from your money or how good looking you are. Or, or it doesn't come from any of that. How awesome your vehicle is. None of that. How big a house you got. Who cares? It's all going to burn. Your identity comes from one place, and that's Him. And if it comes from anywhere else, listen to me. It's just idolatry. You're elevating what you or someone else says over what God says. So what do we do in that situation? The Bible tells us that every thought that raises itself up against the knowledge of Christ, we tear down. Here's, here's the process the enemy constantly employs with us. An offense becomes a frustration. Frustration becomes anger. Anger becomes bitterness. Bitterness becomes hurt. And hurt breaks relationship. This is how it works. The closer you are with Jesus, the further up the list you catch it. Come on, think about it. If you're far away from Jesus, you're down there at the bottom. But if you are living for the Lord, and you realize that people out there are going to say crap that hurts you, they're going to say stuff that, that, that's, that causes some pain. The closer I am with Jesus, though, I don't allow the offense to become frustration because I deal with the offense. Jesus said they're going to come. Not a, well, I don't know, they might. No, they are going to come. How you respond to them is everything. It's everything. So maybe you're looking at this and you're like, fam, offense was three years ago. All right, I'm at bitterness. That's all right, guess what? I, I got some really good news. That it just happens to be that we have a bitterness doctor in the house. Okay? <laughs> when you live in unforgiveness for that hurt long enough, it stops being about what was done to you and it begins to put you in a situation where you see yourself as broken. That pain seeps into other areas of your life, whereas early on you could keep it separate, but the more you live in it, the more you see it in everything. Before long, you stop seeing the action as something that was done to you, and you start seeing it as something that you are. Why? It's because you look around and you see experience after experience after experience where you get hurt, and the common denominator is you. 
And so you start thinking, well, I'm the one that's the problem. No, listen, it's the fact that Satan has learned something about you and that rejection is where you fail every single time. And so what he does is he brings people into your heart, into your life that constantly reject you. They'll lure you in. They'll bring you in. Oh, look, it's the candy. No, and then all of a sudden they betray you and they reject you. And rather than understanding that this is the enemy's tactic against you to keep you in a cycle of rejection, you start saying, I must be the problem. What if you ain't the problem? What if the enemy attacking you constantly in this one specific area is the problem? So you walk around and you say stuff like, my anxiety. Yeah. <clears throat> I got to be honest with you. Y'all, we, can, we can go back and forth with this, whatever, but I hate when people use the word phrases like my anxiety because it feels like I know anxiety is real. I'm not discounting that. So don't, don't hear what I'm not saying. But I'm not going to claim it as mine. Okay, I, I know that sounds like it may sound silly to some of you, and that's fine, whatever. It, it, you do you. <coughs> but I don't want to claim it as mine. I, I don't want to claim orphanhood. I don't want to claim rejection. I don't want those things to be the identifiers of who I am. Why? It's because I don't want the thing that hurts me to become who I am. It becomes a self fulfilling prophecy. And even if the environment is healthy, you will create dysfunction in your mind based on the pain. I know people who look for dysfunction because they have to fix it because it makes them feel whole. It's, it's, it's the result of brokenness that has become an identity. Okay? This is not necessarily, though, your fault. Listen to me. The pain is real, but we also have to realize something that might sound a little harsh, okay? It's, it's not your fault that Satan is attacking you on this. That's what I'm trying to tell you. It's not your fault that the enemy is coming at you with this stuff. It's not your fault that somebody hurt you. It's not your fault that a pastor manipulated you. It's not your fault that you got abused. But hear me. Let me punch you just a little bit. When you're not, while you're not at fault for what happened, you can help the enemy along in his plan for your life by continuing to dwell in that event and pain rather than allowing the Holy Spirit to heal it. Okay, now I want to be careful because I don't want to minimize the hurt. But listen to me. There are two sides in this game. There's Jesus and there's the devil. And if you are on Jesus side, you're doing everything you can to allow the Holy Spirit to heal the brokenness in you. But if you're not healing, you are on the other side. I'm not saying you lost your salvation. I'm not saying you don't know Jesus, but I am saying this. You are helping the enemy fulfill his plan for your life. I know that's heavy. I know it's a lot. But we're talking about here what happens when you won't forgive. I have a hard enough time already. I don't need to be giving him ammo. Seriously. It's like if you're at war with somebody and you go, I'm going to use the left flank next Thursday. No, you don't do that. You don't do that, do you? If you, wanna, if you want to live defeated, you do that. But if you don't want to live defeated, you know what you do? You get to this altar in a few minutes and you lay your heart bare. And you say, I'm tired of living defeated. I'm tired of living this brokenness. I'm tired of the depression. I'm tired of the anxiety. I'm tired of the rejection. I'm tired of believing something about me that God's never said about me. I'm tired of living under a curse. I'm ready to live under the blessing. 
This is why forgiveness is huge. It does more than release you from that event and pain. It also reaffirms the truth that you are not a victim. You're not broken. You're not abused. You're a son. You're a daughter. You're worthy of healing that God wants for you. But it has to start with forgiveness. Here's my second point today quickly. Forgiveness changes your past, present, and your future. One of the only things in our lives that can affect our past, present, and future is forgiveness. Okay, here's how. Forgiveness changes our perspective of the past. It changes our practice in the present. And it also changes our potential for the future. How is that? Well, let's talk about the past. No one, literally no one, can go back and change the past. Okay? Y'all, God doesn't do that. He, he doesn't. Now, who would want that more than Peter? Or, or David? Maybe, how about Paul? No, I got one. Eve. Yes. Go fix it, Eve. But the snake was, don't talk to the snake. I mean, do we have to tell people that today? Like, ooh, a snake. How's it going, fella? Nobody does that. I mean, what we hear around here is, I want a good snake or a dead snake. You know, like. But listen, we're constantly being reminded in the Scripture about abandoning the past, the old things, the former things. Look at Isaiah 43, 18. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now shall it spring forth, shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Some of y'all need to hear that last phrase right here. The where you said, I'm never going to get over this hurt. I'm never going to be able to get past this. I'm always going to experience this pain. Every time I think about that name, I'm going to feel bad. God can make a river in a desert. He can also change your impossible situation. Ezekiel 36, 26, I'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. This is especially exciting since hurts tend to break our hearts and wound our spirits. You get hurt enough, you get your heart heart just hard as a rock. Thank the Lord that He can do heart transplants. And He'll get you sorted. Colossians 1, 13-14, He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son. Listen, even in the midst of the darkness we experience from those hurts, Jesus still takes us out of darkness and into light if we let him. Now, that sounds great, but that doesn't minimize the hurt, right? Well, maybe not, but God can change your perspective on that event and that hurt. What would you want God to do about your hurt in your past? Most of you say, well, never to experience it to begin with. Right? That is impossible. Do you know why? It's because this thing called free will. All right, there's this thing called free will. And God chooses, I heard it the best way this week, God chooses to limit his power by free will. If you won't let God do something in your life, he says, okay. It's all up to you. So what does that mean? That means that when other people sin, God's not going to stop them from sinning because it would violate their free will. Now, here's what stinks about that, is that what it means is that people can sin and you receive the, the fruit of that. People can sin and take it out on you. Now, as much as we want to change the event, we can't do that. Because here's the thing, if God was going to stop the sin before it happened, that means he has to impact free will. So who do you want him to start with, you? You want God to start with you? Because listen, hey, I, don't, I love y'all, but y'all hurt people too. So what's the next best thing? Here it is. 
God, don't let it go to waste. Don't let my pain be for nothing. There's a book out there called Killing the Orphan Spirit where I refused to allow that pain to stop or to, to, to be worth nothing. I refuse to allow it to be meaningless. Deborah has her book out there where she's refused to allow what happened to her not be used for something powerful. And every single one of you in here, you got something that's happened to you, that's hurt you, that's broken you. And I'm telling you right now, God's got a story for you, a plan for you, and he wants to get you healed so you can use the hurt to heal other people. It doesn't go to waste. The pain wasn't for nothing. Not only is, is this the perception of your pain that God wants you to have, he gives you, uh, he gives you and he, he puts godly people in your life the power and ability to do just that. There's, a, there's something we were talking about earlier in first service, um, and, and Pastor Gwen is probably going to mention it when she comes up here in a few minutes, but about driving past places that you see that remind you of hurt. Listen, do you know what they did in the Old Testament a lot of times when they had moments with God is they would build a pillar. So anytime they came back to that spot, the pillar was a reminder of God's faithfulness. Maybe, just maybe, there are moments in your life, even physical areas in your life, houses, businesses, places, where every time you've driven past them up to today, you've thought of the hurt and the pain of the brokenness. But after today, you drive past those and you see that's not an opportunity for me to remember my hurt. It's an opportunity for me to remember that God is faithful and he's healed me. And what was once painful, now all of a sudden, it leads me to my purpose. That's what we're talking about here today. Isaiah 58, 12, those from among you will rebuild the ancient ruins. You will raise up the age-old foundations, and you will be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. Here's my point. Nothing can be done about the action, but God can and will change your perspective of it. So you can choose either to sit in the ruins of what you were in your hurt, or you can embrace the perspective of heaven and allow God to not only restore you, but to use your pain to restore others. I want that. Perfect. It starts with forgiving the person that hurt you. Here's why. Because your hands cannot embrace the perspective change that God wants for you if they are clenched on unforgiveness. That was the past. What about the future? Wonder with me for a moment. What if you forgave and that allowed your perception to change of the events that were so hurtful that opened the door to the ruins of your life being restored by both God and those godly people around you? And then rather than you living your future in endless hurt, you now are a part of rebuilding others who were crushed just like you, repairing others who were broken just like you and restoring others who were hurt just like you. Is that exciting? I remember I remember sitting down across the table, Monique and I were having a conversation with a couple in our church. And I told them, there's going to be a day where you're sitting across the table doing exactly for someone else what we're doing to you. That's the plan. That's the plan. But your future potential, future potential requires your willingness to be healed. We often associate the future of being pain-free as something that's just reserved for heaven. We see that in Revelation 21.4. It says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Man, many of us can't wait for that. Lord, before the next election cycle, come on. 
But listen to me, when you say yes to Jesus, you don't just say yes to heaven someday way off in the future. You say yes to heaven today. Okay? True, we only get a portion of that on earth. But what if freedom from the pain of your past was a part of the heaven that you get to experience right now? Lastly, the present. You don't have to wait to heaven to experience freedom from your hurt. It can be part of your daily practice. Now, I want you to just see a few verses and we're done here. Um, We typically read these as physical healing, but I want you to understand they're for your emotional healing as well. Jeremiah 17, 4, Heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me, and I shall be saved for you in my praise. This ain't some day in glory. No, it's now. Psalm 103, 2 and 4. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. My goodness, that verse is so full. Feel like you're in a pit because of the hurt that was perpetrated against you? Awesome. He can lift your life out of the pit. What about the forget not your benefits? What does that mean? Just like your insurance comes with benefits, hopefully. Oh, look, I get chiropractic care for a discount. Score. God's kingdom has benefits too. So what benefits are that? Well, freedom, healing, forgiveness, mercy, compassion, long-suffering, faithfulness, love, gentleness, self-control, patience. Come on. And you know what else? When you mess up, a loving father who's willing to forgive you, and an incredible brother who died on the cross so that you could be raised. You talk about some benefits. So wherever you are in your life, in your story, in your situation with your hurt, just remember this. If you can't tap into your own benefits to help you struggle when you're struggling with something, tap into your heavenly benefits to help you out of that hole. Now that heavenly benefit might come in the form of a friend from church telling you how the cow chews the corn. But you know what? I would rather have a uncomfortable and difficult and courageous conversation with a person I trust than to live the rest of my life in pain. I'll tell you right now, I don't care where healing comes from, man. I just want to be healed. So God will probably and most often send the strangest thing in the world to help you with your healing. Some of y'all driving 45 minutes passing 100 churches to get here. I've often wondered, what in the world makes people do that? Now, they might say, well, the people here are so welcoming. I've never been a part of a church like that, which I've heard a lot of that. Yeah, I don't know what it is. It, it just could be, though, that when they come here, there is really a spirit of freedom, not just the name on the wall, but there is something about this place that pulls them into a moment where they're experiencing the Lord fully and for the first time like they've never experienced. And, and it's not us. It's like... We can't make that happen. That's the Holy Spirit, man. It's the Holy Spirit changing lives. So let's let him. We'll let him do that. But you got to let him help you forgive too, though. First Peter 2, 2, uh, 2.24 He himself bore our sins in his body on that tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. We always read this in relation to our own sin. 
at the beginning of that verse, it says, He himself bore our sins on his body on the tree. But the next one, it says that we might die to sin. Why not to our sin? He already said that he bore our sin on his body. But why can't we die just to our sin? And here's why I think it is. It includes my sin. It includes your sin. It even includes the sin of the person that hurt you. Yes, you can die to the sin of somebody somebody else. And what I mean by die is not that you physically die, but the pain, the hurt, the brokenness from that dies with Christ on the cross. And you're restored to new life. He bore that sin so we could bear healing. And more than that, more than just healing, but to really live. However badly you've been wounded, I want you to know something. Jesus died so that your wounds could be healed. So how do we activate this? This is exciting. How do we activate this? Let's do it. I'm all in. I've convinced you. I've been a good salesman today. And this is typically the part of the service where we employ the manipulative emotion to help you make a decision for Jesus. Hard pass. I said it at bike night the other night. I don't care if the guy comes up and plays Leonard Skinner with the Holy Spirit stewing in your heart. Nothing can stop that. Okay? Now, we would be that church, right? So how do we embrace this? You forgive. You forgive. Yeah, but... Mm-mm, 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 mm-mm. You forgive. But that, 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 that. No, you forgive. Let me ask you like this. How are we saved? Okay? I have it on the screen here. It begins with us acknowledging our situation. We are sinners and we need Jesus. We have a realization that only He can bridge the gap between us and the Father. So we confess that need and we confess who He is. So the next part is on Him. Why? Because He was the one that was hurt. So we receive His forgiveness. It's on Him. He was hurt. He gets to make the choice on whether or not He forgives. He forgives us and we receive His forgiveness. Now, over the last week we've acknowledged these hurts. And up until this moment, here's what I hope you've done. You've acknowledged the fact that we are hurt. We are hurting and we need Jesus. We have the realization that only He can heal the brokenness inside of us. So we cry out to Jesus and ask Him to heal that brokenness. Now, the next part is on us. Why? Because we were the ones that were hurt. So we offer our forgiveness. Let me leave you with this last verse, Micah 7, 18. Who is a God like you who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? When I read this, um, I was, I just focused on the, who is like you? Who is like you that forgives? That's what I want. I was like, God, that's what I want your people to get to today. That's how I want to land this thing is by forgiving. But like just I want them to forgive. Who is a God that forgives like you? How can I help them see that? And all of a sudden, when I asked the question again, who is a God like you? All of a sudden, I heard the Lord say to me, what if you are? You're my child, aren't you? Maybe you need to be like your dad. Carry on the family tradition. Of forgiving. Who is a God like you? Look, you're not a God, but you're my boy. 
If you're my son, you have it inside of you to forgive. Forgiveness is easy in practice. It's just saying, Lord, I present this person to you. I forgive you. And then you say their name. Easy peasy. Lemon squeezy. Mm. It's not as easy, is it? So here's what you do. You say it until you believe it. You, you say it until you know it's true. It might take time, but you keep saying it. Say it until it doesn't hurt anymore. Now, that's really how I used to think, and for a large part, I still believe that. Um, I know a, a hurt that I experienced in the past year. Um, I was going to meet Tony to go play golf, and I was listening to Jenison Franklin, you know, and he made that comment about the forgiveness that I, I didn't have a choice. And so I was just facing that moment with the fact that I needed to forgive, and I just broke down in tears and started forgiving. Just driving, <laughs> you know. I don't have a choice. You know what? I don't want another choice. I don't want another choice than having to trust in God. I don't want that. So in that moment, that hurt went away. But I've met other people. Deborah, Pastor Deborah is one of those that I met that she was like, well, hey, listen, I've forgiven, but you know, there's sometimes where the hurt's still there. So, you know, sometimes hurt is a sign that unforgiveness is still hanging around, but not always. Not always. Sometimes what happened to you is so egregious that there is still some hurt, okay? Um, so here's what I'd, I'd say to you. If, if you feel like forgiving until you don't hurt anymore is not something in your wheelhouse, then here's one. Um, say you forgive them until you start to have compassion on them. When I went from orphan to son, I, I was blown away by how my hatred of the person that hurt me the most turned to compassion instantly. I wanted to help him. Whereas before I wanted to hurt him. So let me say this. Forgive. Forgive until it didn't hurt anymore. Forgive until you have compassion on him. But forgive. Now let me ask you a question today. Close your eyes for just a second. Only only reason I'm telling you that is because I want you to focus on the Lord. Now as soon as I say this, here's what's going to happen. You're going to start hearing names. Who do you need to forgive today? Who do you need to forgive? All right, look at me. I can't do that for you. Listen to me. Jesus can't do that for you. You've got to do it. You can do it out of his heart, but you've got to do it. So here's, here's what we're going to do as, as a practice here. I've got some postcards that are back there. Um, and we're just going to give everybody a postcard. Go ahead and pass them around. Now, here's where we're going to do these postcards. <laughs> this is going to be fun. If the Lord spoke some names to you, here's what I want you to do. I want you to write down the name. Now, hopefully there's some pins in the seat pockets there, and if not, we can share, but... Listen, write down the names. Now, listen, you may not want to write a name because you're like, oh, no, I don't want somebody to get this card. Write an initial. I don't have to know, but Jesus needs to know. So just write some initials. Now, when service is over today, 
and you walk out those doors, we're going to have a trash can out there. And when you walk past, I want you to throw that junk in the trash. Throw that piece of paper in the trash and let it be a sign for you today that I'm choosing to leave that hurt at this altar. It's done with. I'm not taking it home with me. That's it. Just a little physical practice that can help you see a spiritual reality. That you can leave it here today. You really don't have to spend the rest of your life in hurt. You really don't have to spend the rest of your life cringing every time you hear that person's name. Now, you might want to extricate that person from areas of your life. I get that. The old Facebook unfollow. <laughs> Block if you need to, whatever, whatever works for you. Being hurt free doesn't mean subjecting yourself to constant pain. If you have toxicity in your life from somebody, eliminate the toxicity. Okay? Even Jesus said, shake a sandal. Even Jesus said, don't cast pearls before a swan, before the swan. I'm not calling them pigs. I'm just saying that's what Jesus said. So here's what we're going to do today, how, how we're going to work this out, is we're going to write these names down. And everybody listen to me real quick. There's one name you probably didn't write down. I want you to write M-E. That's me, by the way. And not me. Don't you dare write Pastor Jason. <laughs> Listen to me. A lot of times we can go through life having forgiven every single person but never having forgiven ourselves, and we still experience hurt and we don't know why. It's because you can hate yourself more than anybody else ever could. So, hey, listen. Don't you dare hate something that God loves. That means the person that hurt you. And that means you too. Okay? Let me pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this moment. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're bringing names to their minds right now. God, I thank you for it. Thank you, Jesus. I'm asking you to do a miraculous work in people's hearts right now. Make a way, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. At Freedom, we want to help you have authentic relationships with God and His people, to have real experiences with the Holy Spirit, and to find lasting freedom. If the Holy Spirit speaks to you through this message, or if you want to make a decision for Jesus, please reach out at freedomdl.com connect. For more info on Freedom, including service times and location, visit freedomdl.com. Thanks for listening.